You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. And finally, our third sponsor is 988. The Oklahoma 988 Mental Health Lifeline, 988 is a direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with trained behavioral health professionals that can get all Oklahomans the help that they need. Learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com. That's 988oklahoma.com. And now, let's get into today's episode. Today is part two of our four-part series uh, on mental health with 988 Oklahoma. I'm sure uh, if you haven't heard the first episode uh, with Commissioner Ca- Commissioner Carrie Slatton-Hodges, uh, I will link that below. Uh, we did that um, last month. But Carrie's back in the house today. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of how 988 can be impacted and how it can be used in the schools. Um, you know, the, the, the sad reality is there is data and kids are you know committing suicide or having issues with substance abuse like it's it's horrible but you know we have to raise awareness and talk about it to make a difference so today we're going to talk a little bit about that but before we do uh one thing i noticed the last time when when i left here you have a little two-seater sports car that you drive i do yes indeed i love cars so tell me a little bit about that was i mean it's a little little uh yeah well i'm kind of a car person okay um my dad used to make a lot of fun of me because i had had like 19 cars in 16 years yeah um and so because of that um although my dad passed away this summer i um I made a point that I wasn't going to trade cars again for quite some time. So I've had this one for several years, but uh, when when I had kids at home, I was you know driving something that was accommodating for that. And and soon as uh, my daughter started driving, then um, I've had a convertible ever since. Uh, whether that be a Jeep technically can be a convertible uh-huh. or a, a sp- little sports car. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, the, it's roof down driving. Easy is, to clean. You yes. don't have to haul people around. Yeah, a lot yeah. of advantages. Yeah. my uh, That's my next car is something with two seats because we don't have kids. I have two dogs and my wife has a car for the dogs. So I'm going to pick my car because I did the thing that most people do when they graduate college is you buy a car that you think is probably big enough for whatever you're going to need and I don't need it. As long as I can get my golf clubs in it somehow in the passenger seat or in, you know, take some <laughs> of the clubs out and get them in the trunk, we'll figure it out. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it made me, uh, made me smile when, uh, when I saw you drive off in the little two-seater sports car. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I've had one of us, one of us. A couple of times you talk about dogs. I, I, I went to the store and I bought a dog door, uh-huh. one of those long ones that you can fit in the sliding door. And I came out and I thought, well, what am I going to do? Uh, but, you know, you put the top down, uh-huh. you stick it in the passenger seat, and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was, at, like, 
I think I was at Starbucks a couple of months ago, and this lady pulled up, and she was in a two-seater kind of Porsche Boxster, whatever it is, and the size of the dog sat in the next in, in the passenger seat was bigger than her. And it was a doodle of some kind, but it was massive. And she had a proper harness and, and seatbelt for the dog. And the dog sat there like a human would sit there. <laughs> I just, like, I couldn't stop laughing. She gets out of the car, grabs her coffee, and I just thought, this little Asian lady has just got this Aww. massive dog. And I was just like, this this could be a movie skit. Like, this is so funny. And the dog was just, like, happy and, you know, yeah, sat down and laid seat. there. And he was content. And I, I feel, I've seen them multiple times since, so I think that's a regular occurrence like she's just picking up her coffee and taking the dog somewhere um but dogs are other great things that can help people's mental health as well yes so. and you don't want to get me started on dogs i'll talk all day <laughs> but you and my wife would be best friends she uh <laughs> she swears the dogs are our kids and that they are our children and that they treat them like humans yes, so absolutely yeah i'm a dogs over cats person for sure um but to today's topic um so you know, uh, a couple of days ago was Mental Health Day, yes. uh, October 10th, and you know, you guys did a pretty cool and, and did some great things for that, and there was a lot of outreach for that. Uh, Mental Health Month is May, is that right? Yes. So it's kind of nice to have them spread out, mm -hmm. which is good, have that impact. But specifically, you know, kids are back in school. What What is, I guess, um, you know, the reach and how is, how is, how is the, the department getting to, you know, into the schools? Well, in a number of ways. And first off, when when we say the department, <clears throat> the department is in reality a network with private providers all across the state. Uh -huh. And with our, our core providers, which are CMHCs, CCBHC entities, they all have, um, as part of their contractual agreement, to reach out to the schools in their area and to make services available um, to any and all schools in the region. Uh -huh. So um, ourselves, along with our partners, are in well over 200, close to 300 schools across the state. And and from that perspective, it really is a hands-on in the schools. So they're working with the school system, with um, teachers, et cetera. Now, of course, Services are provided to school-age kids all across the state. And, in fact, it was really important to be able to have that community provider link when we switched to COVID times uh -huh. because kids weren't going to school, but they could still interact with um, their provider network, their therapists, make sure they're seeing their psychiatrist if necessary, et cetera. We also do a lot of work further upstream than that with school systems in we will go in with the school system that's interested in creating a comprehensive plan, plan for that school. Everywhere from layering in uh, preventative approaches and practices, one, some in particular that have outstanding data around that we support in school systems are things like PAC's Good Behavior Game, um, Botvin's Life Skills, those are um, kind of classroom management tools that the research shows us that when kids have those in school during elementary ages, they are less likely to become um, addicted as adults or to experience mental illness as adults. So it really starts to teach both emotional regulation and behavioral regulation 
as just part of that whole classroom style. Yeah. So we do a lot, lot of prevention work in the school systems. But then um, if you think of it kind of like a triangle and that being the base of the triangle, then layering in all the way up. So um, what kinds of things maybe for at-risk families? So we do things like celebrating families, which is um, where we have the school host dinners where uh, parents and kids come together. They're separate for part of the time and they work on particular issues and then they come back together to really have good family bonding time. And then all the way up to the tip of the pyramid, which would be kids who need a lot of assistance to be successful in the classroom. We may even uh, work to provide what we call a behavioral health aid so that they can have someone working with them to make sure that they're able to stay in the classroom, that they can regulate their behavior and emotions with support from someone else. So we layer in a whole comprehensive approach, and that's called uh, MTSS, Multi-Tiered Systems and Supports. Um, and we don't have that statewide uh, because at this point in time, not all schools are familiar with it or necessarily want that kind of level of participation. Uh -huh. But we have a lot of large school districts that have the full continuum and are seeing really good outcomes yeah. from that. I'm sure it's great as well for the teachers. I mean, the, you know, we could talk forever about how teachers aren't getting their, their pay that they deserve and, and all of that, because that's a huge topic. But just for a teacher, you know, having outside help coming in and having 988 and, and the department, you know, partner with them and work with their counselors, it's a huge resource, right? Because they've yes. got so much other stuff to do anyway. Yes. And having you guys come in and be like, how can we help? This is all the resources we yes. have to you. And, you know, it makes a huge difference. And that's really what we do from the department or through our network of providers is really say, how can we help? Right. Um, and there's multiple things that we can do to help and we can explain those. But really, we're there to support both the teachers and the kids to be able to successfully stay in the classroom and become educated um, and just really support that trajectory. Yeah. You know, we serve people throughout the entire lifespan. And so it's to our benefit to make sure that a kid has a great start. And if they have needs, they're being met as early as possible because we're likely to see that person throughout their life and yeah. we want the best prognosis possible. Yeah, there is, um, I guess, the, the student ID bill. It's 13, uh, SB 1307 is the, num the number for it. And it's, the bill is basically adding the crisis tax line onto student ID cards. Seems like a no-brainer, right? Well, one of the things we were really excited about this year, you know, 988 launched uh, July 5th, so it's it's very new. Mm -hmm. But one of the things we were really excited about is school systems started sending us pictures of their badges. And um, we didn't have these in, when I was in school, but nowadays kids have um, a, a an ID that has a scan on it, and they use it from everything from checking out library books to getting in and out of the school or, or lunches. And we started getting pictures from schools where on that ID that the kid has to have with them all the time, it has 988 if you need help, and then it has, you know, for a call or chat. Um, I remember seeing them from Moore schools, from Mustang schools, from Choctaw schools. So we were so excited that on their own, school systems 
were realizing the importance of making sure youth knew that there was a three-digit number they could call mm-hmm. any time that they needed help. Yeah. And so what this bill does is, is really is to say, as Oklahomans, we're going to have that on every school ID, which is... Um, which is fantastic. The, the more people that know about the resource, the, the more lives we'll save and the more help we can link people mm-hmm. with. And it's just something as simple as putting the number on the back. There's something they carry every single day. They use it every day. Exactly. Right? It just becomes ingrained. from yeah. and, and honestly, not just while they're in school for the rest of their life. They know that number yeah. if they ever need help. Yeah, it's uh, it's great, and and also you mentioned you know it, it's recently launched, but you've had time to collect data right from these schools, and and I guess the the total calls that have come in, um, I mean, what what are you learning right now from the data that's coming? Is there, uh, you know, like, I guess you're finding out what people's needs are, right? Since you're getting all these calls and all this data coming in, so then yes. you can transition and move people in the right places to support those needs. Yes, absolutely. So launching July 5th, and um, last week, I believe it was, we crossed the 10,000 call mark, which was really exciting. And that's without really at this point in time, a lot of promotion. We wanted to launch, make sure we had the kinks worked out, and then really start our full-fledged campaign. Um, And so we're very pleased with the numbers. And there is a dashboard that is on the department's website, odmhsas.org, and it has information about um, what kinds of calls are coming in, what they're related to. Um, And the number one reason for calling is thoughts of self-harm or suicide. And that's um, a little over 30%. I, I want to say last I looked, it was 37% of the calls were around that. And it sounds odd for me to say this, but that's fantastic because Oklahoma has stubbornly high suicide rates. And what we really wanted to be able to do with 988 is to have this easy access for people to reach out and get help. So the fact that a third of the callers, that is the predominant reason they're calling, um, makes me think we're making a difference in terms of uh, suicide and linking people to care. So uh, it's really turned out great. And the number one um, caller, type of caller, is someone who is calling for themselves. So, um, Number two, I believe, is is uh, family, calling for a family member. Mm-hmm. But the number one reason, uh, dramatically different from number two, I mean, in terms of percentage, is that people are calling for themselves. And that can be youth or adults across the board. So, so far, we're really liking uh, the data that we're seeing. It's really working exactly how we would hope that it would. And then what happens when someone calls is kind of twofold. Now, we had a mobile crisis system for kids uh, in place in Oklahoma. But that number was um, a very long number, and a lot of people didn't know it. And so what we have done is really taken that evidence-based system that we worked to develop, and now you can link to it through dialing 988. 
And it's a little bit different in that when you call 988 and it surrounds a youth, then the youth and the family can define what is an emergency to them. It can be as simple as, you know, my son and I are arguing because he won't do his homework. If, you, if that's an emergency to you, that's great. We're going to take all the time that you need to work through that. And then if you would like a mobile crisis response on the youth side, we go out. You don't, it doesn't have to be a danger to self or others or anything like that. We go out. And we'll spend time then in the home with the family, with the youth, and try to bring a resolution and pull things together. And then what is different on the youth side is then that team stays with that family for six to eight weeks until they are thoroughly engaged in whatever care it is that will support them for the long run. So that team will continue to work with the family, continue to follow up with the family um, to really make as smooth and warm a handoff into additional care and treatment as possible. Yeah, having that resource, right, but having that, like, maintained you know it's like motivation right and someone says you can do this and you do it for a day and then you wake up the next day and you go right back to what you were doing it's just having that constant support to to you know to to get you to a space where you know it'll always be there the number's always going to be there there's always going to be someone to answer you on the end but if you can you know you've you've got to do it on your own but having that having those people around for six to eight weeks like that makes a huge difference that that team now is your team um They've come out the first time. They're going to engage with you and make sure that you have what you need. Yeah. Um, because we do know that we can make such a huge difference in the lives of youth and families. You know, I, I, I don't ever like to identify a youth separate from the family, although there are many that don't have family support. And, and so in those cases, we do. But really, we want to look at the family as a whole, because that's going to be the number one support system for that youth. Mm -hmm. I'd really look at how can you support each other? How can we work through the difficulties that you're having as a family to keep you together and whole and and stay on the best trajectory possible? Yeah, that's great. Uh, is there anything, and you know, when we did our, we did our talk, you know, our first episode, you know, your, your story is, is, is a lot of stuff comes from rural, right? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that's, that's different between the rural schools compared to the inner city schools? Is there a the correlation there or some, a difference with the, the calls or anything like that? Um, not necessarily the calls. I think in reality, you know, people are people and they're struggling with the same types of things. Um, we do know that suicide rates in general are higher in okay. rural areas, percentage-wise. Um, but people are struggling with addiction issues, emotional issues, regardless of where they're at. Now, they may be a little bit different in terms of what's driving that. But in terms of the actual symptoms and the feelings and the things that are going on, um, they're pretty much universal. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything, um, you know, obviously recently there's vaping is now a thing, uh, which just, I have many thoughts about that when you see smoke coming out of wherever. But, you know, I get the cool factor if you're 16 years old or whatever. That's fine. But is there anything to do with, with you know, there's there's... Because people, you know, you get a bad canister, I mean, it can do some real da- damage, right? So is there anything that's, you know, 
preventing kids who vape or obviously marijuana is now legal you know medically and if you know i think we touched on that as well and and the good that it can do but also the bad that it can do as well so is what are the things that stand out for you you know from your department when when you when you hear things like the vaping side and, and the marijuana prevention and and the, the actions you guys are taking towards that well you know we touched on it a bit before, but I think it's very important to stress in that um, the youth brain is different than the adult brain. Mm -hmm. It is growing and evolving and making connections, and those are things that are going to be affected lifelong. Yeah. And the longer that that brain is not exposed to, whether that be alcohol or marijuana or honestly even nicotine, the better chance that brain has of growing up, making uh, the positive connections it needs to make and not be damaged from these substances. And so it is incredibly important to um, prevent youth access to these substances. And it's really important as a parent or a school teacher or a, a, a mentor to be able to have those conversations with youth because they may see their friends using these and thinking it's okay, but it really can have lifelong damage. It can have lifelong damage in terms, there's data to support this, in terms of what your overall IQ will be as an adult. Um, and the most scary, it can bring on psychotic episodes. And not just an immediate psychotic episode, you can trigger developing a psychotic disorder by use of marijuana, um, either heavy marijuana use or use at a young age. And so those things are really scary. They will affect the entire trajectory of your life. And, it, you know, from my perspective, of course, I'm an adult, but it's just not worth it as a youth. And it, I think it's so important to have those conversations with your kids. And when you talked about vaping, one of the things that's scary is that, you know, a, a lot of youth, well, we've seen increases in vaping in youth. And youth view, well, you know, that's, um, that's safe, it's no big deal. But then also people use vaping instruments for marijuana. And so that ability to walk around vaping and um, just changing the substance that's in it makes it much more socially acceptable. It's, it's very scary. So it is so important um, to educate uh, parents and adults around the dangers of that so that they can be having those conversations with their kids and not from a, you know, I hate to, to use the word, but, you know, it's overused, but not from a reefer madness perspective sure. of, but from you literally are having an impact on your brain that can be lifelong. And do you really want to lower your IQ? Do you really want to risk having a lifelong psychotic disorder? because you feel like this is safe right and the data shows it's not yeah that that's the tough part right is like is is getting in front of and getting in front of kids and educating kids without saying you should not do this because like we all did when our parents said you should not do this what's what do we do we did it and figured found out for ourselves right that's, that's exactly that's, that's rule number the one nature of, of adolescence too yeah. is you want to try things and see yeah. for yourself but um you know, there's, you don't have to see for yourself. There's plenty of research that you yeah. can read and look at to know that 
I do have a big risk here if yeah. I choose to go down that path. Is there stuff on on the 98 website or any other? Or the, the, the DMH website DMA, is website. a wealth of information. Yeah. And in fact, um, we have a campaign that's out now and is continuing that really has information for parents to be able to talk to their youth about marijuana and the risks of marijuana. And um, there's really good information on our website. Yeah, I'll link that below for everyone listening because there might be a mom or a dad listening that you know you just have that conversation over dinner and it, you know it's an easier way to bring it up than having to bring it up if something's happened, right? Absolutely. It's too late, you know, or a friend has done, you know, like a child's friend at high school has had an issue, and then you bring it up. Like it's kind of you know you you want to get in front of it and. I know it's probably tough to have those conversations, but you you know if you have those conversations a lot around the home, then then you're going to get used to them, right? Yes, normalize the conversations. Yeah, don't exactly. make it like you know taboo and mum and dad's harping on about we shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that because it yeah. does probably more harm than good. And you know if you if you are doing other activities with your youth, say you're shooting basketballs out front or you're going together to the zoo. You know, just work things into your normal conversations. It doesn't have to be a sit down, we're having a talk kind of thing. Yeah. Normalize that you're having conversations and that you're having important conversations yeah. and that this is part of those important conversations that you're having. Yeah. Going, I guess going forward, you know, like you said, July was the launch and, and you know, we've seen some great and passed over the 10,000, you know, phone calls to get some data and, and you know, every day is more data. What are you kind of excited to see? Is there anything personally that you're just working on, especially, you know, related to the the high schools and and the kids that that just stands out? You know, I think there's, there are some important things that are happening. Number one, uh, uh, not last legislative session, but the session before, there was a bill passed that all teachers and school personnel would be trained in suicide prevention. And so we've trained over 10,000 uh, in suicide prevention, <clears throat> which is, is really amazing because those are folks that are interacting with kids every day. This teaches you really signs and symptoms, what questions to ask, how to refer and connect. And I think that's just so important. And, and the other thing that I think is so important is to normalize those conversations. You know, we ask and 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 feel like it's normal to talk about do you have a headache, do you have a stomach ache, but for some reason conversations about your brain and or and or your feelings are not as normalized as they should be. So the more people that are educated about having these conversations, the better. So I'm very excited about the number of people in school systems that are being trained and suicide prevention and how to ask those questions and how to observe. Um, I think that's incredibly important. Um, You know, one of the other things that is important is, is we do a survey every other year of youth that really looks at what are the issues that youth are experiencing in our state, whether that be around substances whether it be around thoughts of self-harm or suicide, depression, anxiety, um, as well as um, resiliency factors, things that we know make a difference in the life. So do you feel connected to your school? Are you engaged in school activities? Is your school welcoming? Do you have a teacher 
that you feel like you can go to to have conversations about things. And then we take that information and we supply it back to schools to say, here's a snapshot of what is going on in your school. And we'll help you develop a plan around your strengths and around areas that you may need more resources. And I feel like in reality, that is the way forward because it's really data driven. Um, And you may have some areas of the state, for example, that maybe you have a really high proportion of grandparents raising grandchildren, or you may have another area of the state where binge drinking and alcohol seems to be one of the number one issues going on with that student body. And so it really helps schools pinpoint and identify where to put resources, what we can help them develop a plan to work on. Um, And and really each community is different and has different risks and different uh, pro um, factors there and um, so I feel like those surveys and schools uh, taking advantage of the information that they get from yeah. those surveys to help develop plans, which will work hand in hand. Yeah. With a, we have community coalitions as well as work in the schools mm-hmm. to help develop plans based yeah, upon it, your community. It's great now that, like I said, we have the data coming in now so that you, you can put a plan together and, 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 like I said, harness the teams that you have and the resources you have to, to allocate those people in the right direction rather than just throwing you know paint yes. at the wall or whatever and figuring yes. out where we need to do so it makes a huge impact but um is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap well do you want, know, what do you well, want me to ask you one of the things that um can be confusing for parents i think is that when kids go through adolescence mm-hmm. there are certain behaviors that are normal developmental behaviors that is going to have a little bit of struggling for independence maybe a little bit of rebellious behavior um, what we think of as teenage angst. And, um, and so it can be challenging as a parent to know when is this normal and when has it crossed into something else. And so um, I really feel like uh, taking advantages of the supports that are out there between um, uh, the coalitions in your community, school resources, our website has a wealth of information for parents to educate themselves about what is normal developmentally and what is not. Um, and especially right now, where across the board, we see increases in anxiety and depression and feelings of isolation, both in adults and in kids, it's really important to know what those signs and symptoms are, educate yourself, and be able to have uh, to observe those and to have those conversations. Yeah, and that website's the Oklahoma Mental Health and Substance Abuse website, right? Yes. Which I'll link for people listening in the description. I mean, yes. if you just type into your search bar ODMH, it comes up straight away. So um, I'll put those in the links. But um, part two, thank you so much for coming in again. I'm Absolutely. excited to uh, to keep doing this for the next you know, for the next couple of months and and share some more stories and and each month learn more about the data and learn more about kind of where you're sending the teams and and the impact that we're making and hopefully the you know that number is going to come down right and you're going to figure out that the calls you're getting you know aren't as severe 
ideally, right? And you can allocate those, you know, if you're getting calls, it means it's working. Absolutely. Which is, which is the goal. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter what the problem is. If we're getting phone calls, then, you know, we, like, we, we can, can help. We can That's help. Right. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming in again. For people listening, I'll put the link in the description to the Oklahoma Mental Health and Substance Abuse website and also the 988 Oklahoma website as well and the social media channels. And if you have anything that you think is an issue, whatever it is, call the number. There is someone who can help you. Um, and if they'll allocate you to a, the right person and they can take care of you. And like I said, you might have a team for eight, six to eight weeks, which is, that's incredible. Yes. So thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and finally our third sponsor for today the oklahoma 988 mental health lifeline 988 is the direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with the trained behavioral health professionals that can get all oklahomans the help that they need learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com it's 988oklahoma.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.